0: Welcome to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Now, here's your Lighthouse Council host.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Beacon podcast, your connection to nonprofit success. I'm Gail Glasser, your host for today's discussion on fundraising and leadership lessons learned from the corona, coronavirus pandemic. Our guest today is Stephen Ives, President and CEO of the YMCA of Greater Houston. Welcome, Steve.
0: thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here.
1: We're glad that we get to learn from you today, and I know our listeners will be as well. For 30-plus years, Steve has helped communities grow and thrive through the YMCA. He remains committed to the Y's mission of strengthening the foundations of community for youth development, healthy living, and social responsibility. Having served in multiple executive roles at the Y, Steve currently works alongside a strong board and cause-driven leaders to serve more than 177,000 families across Greater Houston. Wow! Steve has played an integral role in bringing numerous milestones to the YMCA Greater Houston, including creating community partnerships to aid and foster social growth and establishing youth outreach programs and social opportunities for active adults. So Steve, you've got quite a resume behind you, and we're excited to learn the lessons that you've had um, here today. So let's get going with the interview. The first thing I'd love to talk about is the pandemic. Almost two years in, and most organizations are still trying to figure out the issues and disruptions it's caused. What were the greatest lessons the pandemic has taught you as a leader?
0: Trust my gut, I'll start there because I was just talking about this this afternoon, how in May or June of 2020, I was speaking to leading our organization in such a way and driving change inside our organization with a belief set that we had been transformed and changed forever. That this was not a, ten- a, a temporary change in how things are going to be doing. Things, it was highly unlikely that membership in our traditional Y programs were going to come roaring back in a short period of time. And quite, quite a few of my colleagues and other people um, felt differently about it, felt mm. that, you know, I might be overreacting. And, you know, I questioned myself at, uh, on occasion, like, am I, am I being too pessimistic? You know, it's just not in my nature at all. I'm an optimist by nature. But my gut was right that this is, you know, not going to be a short term interruption that what was happening to us at that time and i'm i'm glad that i believe that and trusted it enough to make sure that we made some substantial changes to our business focus priorities way in which we fundraise etc along the way and so as it relates to fundraising i think i also learned a lot about not just my why but the why movement we're really good at some things that we didn't really realize like we're really good at food distribution we we knocked it out of the park in terms of our local why, but also otherwise across the country, leaning into that need as it was and activating the passion and enthusiasm of our workforce and our volunteers, and that people would, would be willing to and interested in supporting that philanthropically. I Also, had been toying around with this and thinking about this notion that the way which we do fundraising within the YMCA could learn a little bit from colleges and universities who not only in their staffing structure around philanthropy but also in the way in which they craft their case. I always had people, I've always had people throughout my career on my board or in some other way challenging me on why it's capital campaign time, why why do I have to write three different checks? Mm-hmm. You know, one one for annual campaign, one for sponsorship, and one for a capital campaign. Why can't we just talk about my my commitment this year? And as I have spent more time with people in colleges, colleges and universities, this idea of we got a campaign, we're raising money, and it has multiple components to it, and it still counts as your annual philanthropy if you're a board member or close friend of the Y. If you write, you know, a five hundred thousand dollar check this year, but it happens to be designated towards capital, I learned because created the space and kind of forced into that and the ca- our case for support in 2020 started as a traditional Y case and very quickly had to transform into something that was about um, not just about sending getting scholarships for kids to go to camp there was going to be no camp and there mm-hmm. would likely be much fewer programs what we really were about was responding and reinventing our uh, responding to the current crisis and then reinventing our Y and the reinvent reinvention process had some capital components to it, as well as some program support components and some planning components to it. So well, I learned that having that kind of a case actually does work can be done inside of YMCA and is effective.
1: Wow, there's a lot to unpack there, Steve. But most of all, I love the fact that you said you trusted your gut after 30 years with the why to not only trust what you knew, but to trust that you had a room to learn and grow and be innovative on your case, whether it's integrated support or your response to the community. And being a Houston-based person, I can see that in action every day. So grateful for that. That's wonderful lessons there. Tell me more about the YMCA of Greater Houston communicate differently with key donors during the pandemic. You mentioned how you had to kind of pivot your case for support to be a a broader, inclusive case. But tell me more about how that communication with donors might have changed. Well,
0: it absolutely did change. So we've Traditionally said, here's our annual campaign, and then we've gone back and said, we're going to do a capital campaign about X, Y, or Z. And when we get to it, um, oh, you might want to think about endowment too. (laughs) And we put that all into one story and Mm -hmm. invited people to consider uh, a much larger goal. You know, Mm -hmm. we at the time our annual program support was probably in the seven, eight, nine million dollar range, and then we might do some capital. We we talked about needing to raise more than $20 million. And so when you have a case that is about something that of that substance, it's far more likely that people are going to you know, theoretically, people are mm-hmm. going to make larger gifts. I learned that that actually is the case because we it showed up in practice. And so when we when I crafted the design of our new case, so this was we were shut down on March 16th. This was April 1st at the latest. So we were mm-hmm. mov- moving really fast with Very oh my fast. gosh. Oh, my gosh, we've got to. And so one of the first things I did was test that case out with one of our close friends and donors. Uh, within twenty four hours, I had an email saying he would he and his family would be sending us a million dollars within the next week. I thought, okay, we're on something. <laughs> now the, right. you know the know that obviously was very inspired by the vision and the overall, Uh, need of the why, but care deeply about making sure we were okay. Like all of those pieces came together. So the communication with our donors around the overall case is about the bigger. So we've had a goal of anywhere from 20 to 25 million each year. And so it's not, and it's so much more than sending kids to camp. While that is a piece of it, it's about the transformation of our why, the growth of our why, and the larger impact. Another way we've moved, how we talk, uh, tell the story of impact, has been to move beyond the. This is how many kids we scholarshiped, This is the. This is how many um, people got financial assistance to be members of our why, and quantify that as the as the impact. To uh, really evaluating every way in which the why has impact in the community, whether it's funded directly by. The annual campaign dollars, or it's funded by our business, our our social enterprise business model, or it's regardless how it's funded, would you really kind of quantify what happens in our community because the why is here? And so we began, we've begun talking about 27, 28, $30 million worth of impact um, that we're raising now $20 million towards. You know, the idea is that we're Mm -hmm. getting more impact than what the actual philanthropic dollars are there. Mm -hmm. And that, has really resonated nicely with our with our donors.
1: Truly, that's a much bigger case, and of community impact is is speaking to not only your current donors but a whole new donor base that right. loves this integrated idea and what's going on in in one of the most diverse cities in the United States. It's incredible mm-hmm. work. Very good lessons there. Thank you. Um, tell me more about the lessons um, from the last two years. Um, what did they provide you in terms of your team? And the importance of how you and they work in relationship building and maybe even stewardship. You've told us a little bit about the case and how you communicated that a little differently. But how did your stewardship work change over the last couple of years as well?
0: I think it became even more intentional and we resourced it, you know, as many wise, you know, we had been operating with a minimal team and I, I just was committed to getting this right during this massive tra- transition transformation because I knew, I believe, my gut told me that uh, now is the time uh, on the other side of this, uh, philanthropy is gonna be the growth engine for our ymca and partnerships and so we have a person on our staff team who was doing multiple duties and is becoming more and more focused on this is in our development department on navigating stewardship we got a couple of uh, i would say bright shining stars on our team who are just are really good at it so we're holding that up as examples of what it looks like and what gets valued inside our, our organization when it comes to to you know stewardship is not just about thanking it's also about asking people's opinion. So the example I used at the beginning of asking for opinion, good thought leadership and partnership in crafting the case that's part of stewarding, stewarding um, our, our 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 donors and potential donors. Um, we also I think have gotten much more um, precise around assignments to our ma- for our major g- gifts officers and myself. You know my list, which might have been 60 people, I'm concerned about, has gotten much smaller, and so the time and effort I spend with them is focused, and I have trust and confidence that the time and effort happening with other uh, donors, potential donors, and past donors um, is is happening with our team, and we're also owning it as a whole organizational responsibility. So we have multiple centers that have center execs that have relations. So the sophistication we've put into place with the use of, we use Razor's Edge, but we're using a lot of the tools that um, once sat ready, now are being activated to be um, really useful to us in tracking and evaluating, you know, how we're doing and what kind of touch points we're having with people and how well we're doing in communicating with them. A tool I put into place early on that has just begun to evolve and grow some more is I I do a monthly update to the board. I try to, you know, it's it's very High, it's high level but important so they get to hear about the most important strategic issues going on and a little bit about what's happening with the YMCA and so I've broadened that to board members and friends so we have a number with their permission we've added past board members and some of the people that we've just gotten to meet during the course of the last two years and I guess I'll, the, the last thing I'll tell you is that the gift of the last two years was I got to do way more meeting of of donors and past donors because they had the time we didn't have to monkey around with scheduling a lunchtime that met for everybody. So there were days where it was back to back to back, uh, me being introduced virtually. So the uh, the willingness of people to utilize and the availability of this kind of a virtual platform for um, getting instruction, for being able to share the vision about what we're having to do updates, uh, I think has uh, created an efficiency in the system that we'll continue to leverage.
1: I, l- I love the fact that you went deeper when in your relationships and you've really resourced the stewardship function to allow that kind of um, true engagement, true advice giving, true um, passion. People can engage in your passion and your vision. That's amazing. So you know, it looks like we're coming to the end of the our time together. Is there any other comments that you would give that I didn't ask you about that were lessons for me, for you as a as a leader of such a large organization um, that certainly has pivoted pivoted in this in these challenging times? Anything else that you would share?
0: Well, I think that you know I, I work in within and for and as part of a movement, a nationwide movement of of YMCA's. Uh, I think a, uh, an aha realization for all of us, or many of us, especially those of us operating in large urban centers like this, is that um, yes, we can raise dollars um, mm-hmm. in, in a different way than we have in the past, that people will respond to the good work that we're doing in a way we might not have imagined, There's that there's more than capital and scholarships and uh, subsidizing programs. There's this bigger strategic picture Uh, as to who we are and to see that play out. I know you've had some connections with the Y movement also, and it's something we've been talking about for the last 30 years of my career. Mm -hmm. How do we, when will we, might we ever uh, achieve our true potential when it comes to philanthropic support? So I I think that as hard as the last two years have been, it has opened that door for us, opened that window, and for many of us, myself included, just reinforced a belief set around what is possible.
1: Super. Well, certainly you're an example of the importance of a CEO casting bold vision, but also investing in the resources to do it, not only with his team, but in his own time and effort. And Steve, I can tell you that I'm inspired just listening to to your story and even being familiar with the YMCA Greater Houston. I'm excited for the future that it holds. So to our listeners, you can connect with Steve on LinkedIn or find the YMCA of Greater Houston at ymcahouston.org. Thank you for listening. And once again, I'm Gail Glasser, and I hope to see you next time on The Beacon Podcast, Your Connection to Nonprofit Success. Thanks for listening
0: to The Beacon, Your Connection to Nonprofit Success. Tune in every week for nonprofit topics with special guest interviews suggest future topics, and learn more about upcoming podcasts and guests at lighthousecouncil.com.